Lisa Vetten, researcher, activist, and Mellon doctoral candidate at the Witz City Institute. Lisa, good evening. Hi, Long time good. coming. Thanks, mm. to, thanks for being here. L let's talk about what you are reading towards, what you have preoccupied yourself with, and some mm. of the questions you are engaging in your mind, which translate into the work that you do. Before we got onto air, I asked you to tell me more about your studies, and you pivoted into the conversations about rape. Mm. And of course, it's a very jarring conversation in this country. I mean, with the high incidence of mm. sexual assault and physical violence, and we're talking about GBV and 16 days. Mm. So it's it's never not an appropriate time to have that conversation. But perhaps because we hear so much of it, we might necessarily be desensitized sometimes to the necessary aspects of this very critical conversation we really could never and should never be desensitized to. So in a broad sense, South Africa's high incidence of sexual assault probably is directly because of the socioeconomic outlook that the country, for the best part, could dramatically mm -hmm. improve. But that all said, it, it can't always be the excuse. And I think human beings at a psychological level can distinguish between what is right and what is wrong. Mm. At least I assume so. What, what, what can you share with us about some of the insights you are engaging, have engaged, and are probing in your research about this word rape in the South Africa context? You, raise an, you use an interesting word when you say, have we become desensitized? I think what's happened is we might have become a little too quick to jump to what the problem is and are perhaps not trying to open up and think what are the other ways we can think about the problem because we've, we've had an impact on it. If I look at our figures for the 1990s, if you look at a province like the Northern Cape, in the, in the 1990s they were recording something like a, ra a rate of 200 women per 100,000 in that province reporting rape. Last year when I looked at recalculated the figures taking new population figures into account, it had dropped to around about 97 per 100,000. So it's halved in the space of 20 odd, hitting 30 years. And, and the question is why? What's happened? What's prompted the reduction? And I think those are the questions we are not doing very well at in South Africa, is understanding what the effect is of what we do. So you can see that violence in South Africa is very dynamic. If you look at it over a period of 30 years, you see increases and decreases, and then increases again. And I don't think we can say, what prompted the decreases? Why is it going up again? What is it that we did that was successful? And what is it that we need to do differently to continue those, those decreases? We tend to use the same language. I mean, South Africa has been described as the rape capital of the world from my research. I saw it first happening in 1982. There is no real data to support that. But it's a habit that we developed since 1982, and it's almost as if impossible for us to think of anything, to think of ourselves outside of that. So the question that I always wonder is, if that's how we think about ourselves, how does it shape the way we behave and what we think are the possibilities? Um, and I think that there is some time, it's long overdue that we start to rethink some of the explanations that we've been giving. Yes, the socioeconomic um, contribution is important, but what has been the impact of law? over the last 30 years? What has been the impact of all this uh, sensitization, the 16 days campaigns? What has that changed? How have, 
for instance, in South Africa, we're now seeing a situation where murder has started increasing again. So with violence starting to increase, what's that doing to men's and women's relations? And how is, is, is that altering things? I think we also don't have enough of an understanding of sexual violence against men, which certainly does exist. Um, so I think it's also trying to understand from a range of different perspectives and what it is we would need to do. Um, to I think go into the next 30 years with some different answers and some different options. The culture of violence at large then perhaps is probably a very informative conversation mm. in the context of the very nuanced and tailored conversation of rape and violence. Perhaps you can even talk in a more broad mm. sense of lawlessness. And because we can talk about lawlessness, the culture of accountability or lack thereof, we see it play out in just about all of mm. our social and economic and political spheres. How much of these things would ultimately be inevitable in the consequence of rape? Lack of accountability, mm. a general set of lawlessness in the country. Because of that, there's a high incidence of violence. So we can't be and should not be surprised by the levels of rape. Whether or not that makes us the capital of the world is mm. probably besides the point. I think there should be a general consensus in South Africa that the figures that mm. we spit out at every interval in terms of the analysis is just unacceptably high for a society that is young in a democratic sense, mm. but also has these historical traumas mm. from which we are trying to emerge to yet be bogged down by the kinds of statistics you know better than most. Yes, and that's why I think it might be it might really benefit South Africa to start doing some comparative research. So if you look at murder, South Africa, and I think it's not just violence towards women; it's violence generally. We have the fifth, we have a, a rate of women's murders that is five times the global average, but that is also true for men, and it's also true for older persons, which we don't often talk or, th or, or think about. So our our levels of violence are high, and when if if we take murder ex as the example, Honduras pretty much will leads the world in terms of homicide, followed by Jamaica, followed by Lesotho, followed by South Africa. So the interesting questions might be, what is it that the, we have in common the, the, the other, those other three countries? And if we take countries which have much lower rates, how are we different? Because I think if we start, South Africa tends to think about itself in very insular and isolated ways, without always thinking about how might we be like somewhere else, how might we be different, mm -hmm. and how, if we understood that, might we be able to get a better handle on what's going on. And you can actually see the same patterns within country. There are some parts of the country that record very much higher levels of violence than others. Why is that? And, you know, I think if, if, we, if we try to understand that, that geography of violence, those contexts... Um, because we're all growing up in the same country. Mm -hmm. So if we were trying to, if we're trying to look at much more localized context, maybe we'd get to the difference of why Umlazi and Dunanda every year consistently repeat, uh, report the, the, these very high levels of rape. But go to Mpumalanga and the picture looks very different. So I think if we started trying to do that kind of comparative work, we'd get down to a much finer level of detail as to what it is that we would need to do differently. So I think you know, when we talk about cultural violence, it, South Africa is not necessarily that exceptional, especially when we start looking at countries with comparable levels of violence, which are not on necessarily on the African continent. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Latin America and the Caribbean as where we should perhaps be looking. Then I think that might help us to have a, a different kind of context as well, to think, okay, now what is it that we need to do differently? And if we look here, what are they doing that, 
this part of the country doesn't have the levels of violence that that part of the country has, even if they might have the same socioeconomic profile. Mm. Does the sociology of crime in any way relate to the historical and political histories of societies? So, for instance, Mm. many would comment that South Africa has always been a a, a crime scene in terms Mm. of how at a race level Mm. we interacted initially with one another and kept those relations along the lines that gave us this very unequal society. Mm. If not talking about colonialism, you're talking about apartheid after Mm. that. And even now, there are many ways of defining this constitutional democracy and how it has engaged itself in relation Mm. to improving the lives of people. But what can't be changed is the statistics that say that South Africa is more unequal now than it has ever been. Mm. How much of those historical things would come to have a critical part part in defining the present cultures in this instance the high culture of violence that's my final question history is really important and i don't as i said i'm not always, i don't know if we've actually looked at it sufficiently carefully to understand how it does shape us because i think you know it's very clear that histories of colonization and apartheid are going to shape the way people think about each other no two ways about it but that's very general you need to think about it in much more um particular terms. I mean, part of my thesis at one point was looking at the ways we have thought, the racialized ways we have thought about men who rape. And it is striking how differently we think about rapists depending on their color. So I think that alone starts to shape the way particular men think about what is bad behavior. In a detrimental manner more than it would be in a beneficial manner. Oh, completely. I mean, so if if I give the example of, of, of white men, Typically, if you look at the studies of, of white men who've raped, they are, to use a psychological term, they are exceptionally pathological. They are, the, the crimes that the, these particular, this particular category of men has, have committed is so horrific, you can't, you look at them and think, are they properly human? So, for that reason, you don't necessarily think about their, their, their race in any way. You think of them as not actually being properly, as being truly abnormal. But I think when you look at studies, especially those done during apartheid, that looked in particular at, and I'm going to use racial categorization mm-hmm, since mm-hmm. the time. If you look at studies that were done of colored communities of rape, what they were pathologizing was the community. They were making coloredness, for way we're putting it, pathological, that that was what was wrong with people, and the violence was a consequence of being... As opposed to that individual correct. in the white community to which correct. you made reference earlier. Correct. So there, it was deviant individuals. Here, if we look at... I mean, there, there, there are far more studies under apartheid, or, interestingly enough, of colored men who rape than of black African men who rape. So, and there, you get the, the way those studies were, were written was very much as pathological communities. If I look now... You, now you see many more studies of black communities, but they tend to be very large statistical studies. You just get numbers. So one of the things that struck me about that is you just read about, and these are predominantly done in, 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 in African communities, you only read about black men as percentages and numbers. You don't have a sense of people with interior lives, with ambitions, with thoughts. You're just reading about numbers. And in a way, that too is very dehumanizing. So uh, the ways in which we have thought about men in very racialized ways, I think, has really limited our ability to try and think about how do we do things differently? What, are, what is it that people are thinking? And how do we disentangle, if it's even possible, racial, uh, racialization out of... Um, if it's uh, even possible, because yeah. I mean, that's a major qualifier. You, 
you make reference to how this is all characterized. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago at a Pretoria restaurant, I think the name, Nicholas yes, Nunau, and how he was treated. Even he, his mother was even interviewed and she had an opportunity to say, he, my son is a lovely boy. He is not what he, mm. well, he's not a rapist. And, and essentially being given an opportunity to create a human story within mm. a barbaric act. And, and, and the question then would be, and which certainly was at the time, what was the value of that interview? You're talking about studies on colored people. I mean, just a couple of years ago, my alma, my alma mater, Stellenbosch, had engaged a, a class-based or society-based study on mm. the cognitive ability of mm. colored women in the particular mm. part of the Western Cape. So perhaps, and I'm going to yield the platform now, you probably might want to engage this, and I'm just going to put it, I'm just going to posture, and perhaps you can engage when you mm. engage with your guests. The disservice at times academia has offered mm. to society by skewed patterns of research mm. or running narratives within the research. I mean, I don't have to go too far back in history to engage exactly how destructive this would have been. I mean, it was the basis of apartheid policy. Even mm. universities were compliant. And all societies where subjugation and discrimination of the peoples, there needed to be a legitimization of that project mm. and open, close quote, academics mm. were roped in. Mm. Science was roped in. The law and the law enforcement institutions obviously were the first bastions thereof and a media campaign to boot. So these are some of the things that I'm hoping you are going to engage as we responsibly on the platform engage the question of rape in South Africa. Of course, because we are talking about it from a research perspective, Lisa, please make the point when you take the platform on. This is not advancing one argument over another. It certainly isn't designed to vilify one race against another. Mm -mm. Rather, we're going to be making references, and if necessary, to race, because these are some of the challenges. The question of rape and South Africa moving forward and in the right direction against rape, so to speak, need to be uncovered. So I'm saying this because I know people can be sensitive, appropriately so, mm. given where we are, given where we come from and what we design for ourselves as a society. But anyway, 2029 is the time, Ms. Lisa Vetten, a researcher, activist, and the Mellon doctoral candidate at the Wits City Institute. In the realm of psychology, engaging rape in the South African context, I would imagine you would want to participate, and please do, mm. 86 and 107 The first number, 86 you call. The other one is a WhatsApp facility. You know the rules, so after the break, please engage my guest with love and respect, but at all times, please be robust. 2029. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Songhezomapete on SAFM. The Viewpoint on SAFM. Good evening, it's Lisa Vetten again, and I'm your Tuesday takeover guest for this evening. It's my radio, de my radio de debut, so yippee for me. I hope it's also going to be yippee for you in terms of what you listen to and that you'll find... My two guests, Caroline Peters and Melozi Langer, both interesting and provocative. And what we're going to want to try and talk about is, I think, try and reintroduce the idea of gender back into violence. 
typically I think when people think about, you hear the word gender, they think it means women. But actually it means the way in which men's and women's and trans people's identities are structured around their gender. And what I want to really talk about it is in relation to violence, whether we're talking about victimization or, perpetra- or, or perpetration. And then just to kick off, every time we have the 16 days, I can't help thinking for what will be now 29 years ago, how I participated in a protest on what was then the International Day of No Violence Against Women, and there were exactly six of us standing on the side of the road with our placards. Now, here we are 29 years later, government departments take up the, the, the campaign. At the beginning of this month, we had a president who, had, who was participating in a two-day summit against gender-based violence. We have the president even going so far as to say violence is so serious that it is actually a second epi- a- epidemic. So we've gone from a situation in the space of 29 years where, as I said, we were six people at a demonstration and where it was still not possible to charge a husband with the rape of his wife. It was not a crime to rape your wife 29 years ago. So you, can say, you could say at one level that we've come quite a long way in, 29, in, in, in the last 29 years. We've also seen a situation where uh, research by the Medical Research Council showed that in 1999, 24 women out of every 100,000 were being murdered. But if you look at their research in 2017, that number had more than halved to just over 11 women in every 100,000 being murdered. So we've seen progress. But I think as we, we, but as we would have also heard when Minister Trele um, released the crime statistics in November, those statistics remain. And as I mentioned earlier, South Africa continues to have the fourth highest rate of female murders in the world. So some things have shifted and some things have definitely not. And in the process, I think we need to be asking questions about we've achieved some changes, but we haven't achieved others. What is it that we need to do differently in order to accomplish those those changes? And so I think that's going to be the focus of our conversation. We're going to look in two slightly different angles. The one is looking at, I think, women in conflict with the law who often don't get a focus because we traditionally speak about women as victims. And then the question of men as victims. We're so used to talking about them as perpetrators of violence that we don't necessarily think about them as as victims. And so I want to use those two focuses to think about, does it open up a conversation to other ways, other means of thinking about violence and how we could change it in South Africa? So then just to kick off, I started with my memories of what has changed over the last 29 odd years. So Caroline, the director of Callis Foundation, if I can bring you in, you've also been in this now for a good three dec- almost three decades. What have you seen change and shift in the last 30-odd years? Caroline, are you there? Yes, I am. Okay. So for you, somebody who's been in this field now for close to 30 years, yes. you think back to 1992, 1993, and you think now, what do you see as having changed in relation to violence? But what do you think has just stubbornly stayed the same? Okay. Because when I think of what has changed, like you started off with legislation, we've got the best, we've got the Domestic Violence Act, we've reviewed the act, lots of legislation um, has, has, has taken place. Um, we've seen, we've seen the awareness, you know, like you were saying, six of you were standing placard doing placard demonstration 30 year, 29 years ago, and so it was then. However, we know that the awareness that is there, that you can now pick up the telephone and phone the police and say, my husband is beating me many years ago. 
that it used to be a domestic uh, matter that the police do not respond to. Now we've got legislation. So a lot of things in that aspect have changed. What has remained the same? And in fact, um, Lisa, when, when you're saying to me that, that the, 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 the figures of femicide has, has, has improved, I, on the other hand, where I work in the communities on the Cape Flats, it almost seems to me, and I'm not sure, you know, it's again the chicken and the egg. Is it because there's more awareness, there's more reporting mm. on it, that we do not, now we know what's happening, the figures around it, however, research. And, and I almost want to want to say where I'm sitting from, it doesn't seem to me. It seems like violence, um, violence has escalated. The, mm. the, the level of violence has escalated of, uh, definitely. Um, it's almost overkill. It's kill on women's bodies, and 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 that that is definitely not what has 